Put a time on the, put a clock ready. Hold on to your note sheet because it's full of the word of God that we're going to look at today as we continue to study in this series that we're in. And let's make this faith declaration. Say this, say the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, slap three people, high five, and say it's time to be fruitful. All right. Okay, let's get started. All right, so we are all year long, every day of this year, we are declaring tremendous fruitfulness over our lives, amen? Over every area of our lives, we are growing into a Christ-like maturity. We're, we, are, we are maturing into fruitfulness. How many of you know you can't plant a tree one day, you know, a small, immature tree and expect it, or, or plant a seed and expect it to bear fruit the next day? It takes time for a tree to get to, to fruit-bearing mode. And so we have to, you know, put in the time, put in the work, put in the effort. Get yourself here to class on Sunday mornings at 930. If you haven't been in our firm foundation class with Pastor Carolyn, I'm telling you, you need the word going in you so that you can mature. His word matures us. It grows us up. And so um, you want to get to the place where you're more intimate with God, where he's really the first thing on your mind. The fir- he is first. He's at the very center of your life. He said that if, if uh, you abide in me and my words abide in, in you, you'll ask what you will, and it shall be done by the Father. Did y'all hear what I just said? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. That's powerful. He says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. That you're bearing the God kind of fruit in your life. Amen. So that means abiding, maturing in Him, spending time with Him, spending time in the Word. It's the most important thing you will do all day. You might think it's brushing your teeth. That's pretty important. But it's not more important than getting the word. Getting the word is the most important thing I do. Why? Because I live on the word. Man should I not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. i got to have something for my spirit to live on. Come on, we're going on a trickle. We can't live on a trickle. God wants us to live on a flow. Amen. That it flows in us and it flows out. So it's up to us to press in and get more. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so we're looking at being fruitful, and then we've been in this series. This is week number three on the Holy Spirit, and we're going to stay parked right here on the Holy Spirit for maybe more than, more, definitely more than a month because we've got to get to all these gifts of the Spirit. I want us to get to the place where we are operating in the gifts of the Spirit. If we're going to operate in them, we have to be knowledgeable. God wants us to use our brains. Amen. He wants us to use our brains. He wants us to think. We're not just all so spiritual that we don't think. We have to think, you know, this is the outcome if I do this, this, and thus, and so. Amen. But I, I have to use, use my brain to plan and to strategize. But then I also have to be aware that the power of the Holy Spirit, that I'm also supposed to be living a supernatural life through the power of the Holy Spirit. The spirit part of me should be connecting with the Spirit of God. And I should be producing spiritual fruit. Amen. All right. So the Holy Spirit, number one, Jesus started his ministry with the Holy Spirit. He never stepped out to do anything until he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. He went down to be baptized by John the Baptist. And when he got finished being baptized, as he came up, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended and lighted upon him like a dove. And right there, the, the father spoke out. Look right here. It says it in Matthew three sixteen through 17. It said, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So we see the father there. The heavens were open and the father said, this is my son. 
in whom I'm well pleased. There's the Father. The Holy Spirit came down like a dove onto Jesus, the only Son of God. So there's the Trinity of God right there. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all right there in one place. He is He is one, yet He is three. Just like we are one, but yet we are three. I'm a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. There's all three parts of God right there. And what is so amazing to me is that this same spirit that ascended on Jesus, that caused him to go about, he said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That same Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in us today. That's what's so amazing to me, that the same power that Jesus had, Jesus had, Jesus said he wanted us to have that very same power so that we would live the supernatural life like Jesus lived. So the Trinity of God is seen there, but then the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and then the Spirit immediately led him, the Holy Spirit led him to be tested. See, some of these tests and these trials that you go through, you think, why me, why me? It's just a test. You're in it just for the test. And the Holy Spirit will lead you to be tested because you don't really know what you got till you get tested. You don't really know what you believe until you're thrown in the fire. You really don't know until you're facing bankruptcy what you're going to do. You don't really know what, until you get a bad report from the doctor. You really don't know how much you believe, Isaiah 53, 5. You will find out then when you get a, a, a report from the doctor that's a bad report. You're going to know what you really believe. You're either going to break down and cry. Or you're going to say, okay, is we in a fight? Let's go. Just like, just like you said. What did you say? Okay, let's hit it. <laughs> let's hit it. We, we in a fight. So, all right. I'm ready. I've been, I've been in the word. I'm ready. Come on. <laughs> let's do this. Amen. So we're in a fight and it's a test. We're going to get in the ring. We're going to see if you did your road work, if you got any wind. We're going to get in the ring. We're going to see if you practiced your jab enough. We're going to see if you practice dodging and weaving and bobbing. We're going to see if you know how to rope a dope. We're going to see what you got because you're in a fight. You don't know. So you don't whine and cry about being tested. God doesn't respond to whining. He does not respond to pity parties. God responds to your faith. I heard a story about Lisa Osteen where she said, Daddy, I want to go to church to church to work with you today. He said, well, honey, I've got some meetings all day. I've got some stuff. You just, you know, I just don't think today is a good day for you to go. She acted like she didn't even hear what her daddy said. And she ran to the bedroom to get her clothes changed. And as she ran back out, hopping, trying to put on one shoe, she was racing for the car. And when he saw her face, he said, come on, baby, you can go with me. But if she just sat down and had a pity party, that wouldn't have moved daddy. If she would have sat down and cried or if she would have thrown a temper tantrum, that wouldn't have moved daddy. But what moved daddy was her, was her acting like she never heard what he said. And she ran and she got to go. He said, okay, baby, come on. She got to go with him. See, your faith is going to move God. You act like you didn't even hear that report. I didn't even, I didn't even hear it. What is that to me? I'm a blood-bought, born-again child of the living God. I will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. So look at Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led up, guided by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, tested, and tried by the devil. Look at there, y'all. Look at there. You get tempted, tested, and tried, then you know who you really are. Luke 4, 14 in the Amplified. Then Jesus went back after he'd been finished with all his testing. Look, he went back full of. And under the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee. So the Spirit descended upon him. He got tested. And then he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's right where God wants us to live. Anointed and full of the Holy Spirit. All right, number two. The same Spirit that raised Jesus lives in us. Think about that. That same Spirit lives in us. Romans 8.11 in the New Living Translation says the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now think about that. Jesus' body has been dead in the tomb for three days. And this is the Spirit of God that went in and said it's time to wake up and raised his body up from the dead. Hallelujah. That same Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, lives in us, is, is upon us just like it was upon Jesus. Message Translation, it stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. 
Hallelujah. John 14, 16 and 17, it says, Jesus said, I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide or live with you. How long? Forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Other people going to think you're crazy because they don't know. They don't understand anything about this. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Number three, God wants to show himself strong through us. If God's going to get any glory, he's going to get it through us. It's his glory, but it's through us. Amen. So we just have to be willing to be a vessel. I'm willing to be a vessel to be used by God. Second Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Wow, that's so good. Daniel 11:32 says the people who know their God, underline that, who are intimate with their God, who abide in the vine, who abide in the word, who listen to two hours of word a day, who get themselves to church early on Sunday to go through firm foundation and leadership development. The people who know their God shall prove themselves strong and shall stand firm and carry out and do great exploits for God. Wow. Exploits. What's an exploit? It's a bold or daring feat, an act, a deed. It means to triumph. So let's look at the gifts of the Spirit. A quick little review. Number one, God wants us to be knowledgeable. Man, that's a hard word to spell. Y'all look up there because I had to look at that. That's a foot long word. God wants us to be knowledgeable about the power the Holy Spirit brings to our lives. So you got to know what it is. Now, I'm, I don't think you have to know it in order to do it. But, I, you know, sometimes I think there were times that I was, as I began to study these things, I'm like, well, I remember a time when I think I kind of did that. That was the Holy Spirit. But see, I got information after the fact, so I know what it is now, and I know to expect that. I know to expect God to move in that area, in that way, on my life. All right? Second Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth so you got to study study his word when i found out about the holy spirit i found every i've read everything i could get my hands on to um to understand about the power of the holy spirit in my life i wanted it so bad first corinthians 12 1 here's our foundational text for this uh, month or two first corinthians 12 1 what i want to talk about now is the various ways god's spirit gets worked into our lives this is complex and often misunderstood but i want you to be informed and knowledgeable so it's complex and it's often misunderstood you know you may have a, a your thoughts about the power of the holy spirit that cause you to think that it's weird or spooky or or something like that but it's neither it's not weird and it's not spooky it makes perfect sense once you get into his word all right so you got to be knowledgeable number two the gifts of the spirit are supernatural manifestations these are supernatural manifestations the, the gifts of the spirit it is a supernatural manifestation to know something that you could not know. All right. It's a supernatural manifestation for you to get wisdom on a situation that you previously did not have wisdom on. That's supernatural manifestation. It says in the Amplified, now about spiritual gifts, the special endowments of what? Supernatural energy. So it's a supernatural manifestation. Underline that. Supernatural energy. The special endowments of supernatural energy. Brethren, I do not want you to be misinformed. So don't be misinformed about the gifts of the Spirit. All right. Number three. We must eagerly desire and cultivate the gifts. I got to stop right here and give a commercial because I just heard the Holy Ghost. Some of you or one of you is going to go talk to somebody about this who is an unbeliever or does not understand about the gifts of the Spirit and they're going to try to draw you off and try to feed you with their misunderstanding and their um, incomplete knowledge. It's going to sound good and it's, and it's going to be so convincing that it could almost deceive you. When that happens, I want you to call me so I can get you straightened out. Is my, there's my phone number on the back of your note sheet. See my phone number right there? Right under where it says Murray Snow. That's my cell phone number. Anybody's welcome to call me on that number anytime. 
I'm here for you. I'm your pastor. But when somebody tries to to tell you, you're going to be excited, you're going to be talking about it, somebody's going to try to draw you off, you're going to be like, oh, well, I don't really know enough to argue about this. Say, I'm going to have to get back with you on that. And you call your pastor. That's what I'm here for. And I'm going to help get you get you right, get you fixed. Amen? So don't 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 let somebody misinform you. Don't be so zealous that you just say, wow, okay, well, mm, maybe I didn't read. Let me, where's my note sheet? Let me see what she said about that. You, I'm, you can hit me on the hip anytime. You just call me up. Amen? All right. So number three, we must eagerly desire and cultivate the gifts. So the, the gifts need to be cultivated. In, in other words, any time you're talking about uh, bearing fruit, that's a tree that's been cultivated. And it's really going to bear fruit once it's been pruned and it grows back. It grows even more fruit. So you have to be cultivated in your life to grow this kind of fruit. So we actually really need to mature into the gifts. And you know what? Let's get past having to get saved every week. Let's get past having to get saved every week. I'm done with sin. I'm done with drugs. I'm done with alcohol. I'm done with using bad language. I'm done with that. That is behind me. I am pressing on towards Christ. Amen? That's the elementary stuff. Let's leave that behind. That's your reasonable service. That I offer my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. Get past the reasonable service and on to the proven what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God in Christ Jesus. Romans. And if you're sinning, quit it. Hell is hot and forever. And, and, and don't think, well, I'm, just, I'm saved by grace, so I can just do it. No, you are in sin. You have counted the blood of Christ a common thing. If you're sinning, you need to quit it. It ain't worth it. It's not worth it. Hell is real. And I, I believe there are people who, who will end up there. You know, believers will end up there. Because you're deciding and, and choosing to sin when you know you, you, you're not supposed to be sinning. And you know what? Fornication is sin. That's sin. You know, we, we don't call out sin like we used to while we're afraid of being persecuted. We don't call out sin because we're scared. And God didn't call us to be scared. We have to call sin for what it is. Sin and sin separates you from God. When you sin, something dies. We need to remember that sin is something we put behind us. We just don't laugh and carry it with us into this level because we're never going to get to this level God wants us to live if we're still entertaining sin. Draw a line. Draw a line and say never again. With your help, God, never again. Amen. Amen. Where in the world am I? Okay, yeah. So stay saved and keep moving into the deeper things of God. The deep things of God. All right, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Eagerly pursue. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. That's a, he has just come out of 1 Corinthians 13. You ought to go back and read what love is because the gifts, it doesn't matter what kind of gifts. He says, though I have all faith that I can move mountains, though I give my body to be burned, so I give everything I have to feed the poor, everything. I got nothing left. I'm naked and I can move mountains. But I don't have love, God's love in me. I am nothing, just a bunch of noise. Nothing. So you got to make that love to be your aim, your great quest. And put a circle around and. So I just don't want to sit around and, and love all day and not do anything for God. Because faith is an action word. Amen. So and earnestly desire. Underline that. Earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments or gifts, especially that you may prophesy. See, that was a prophetic word that I spoke right there. Somebody this week is going to almost get tripped up because somebody's going to try to trip you up. There's somebody on assignment to trip you up. See, that was a prophetic word. And see, I, I could have just not said anything, but I felt that unction of the Holy Spirit stop and say something right now. So you just have to trust that it's God. You just trust that it's God and open your mouth and then the rest comes out. Amen. So especially that you may prophesy, because that's going to help somebody. That's going to save somebody from getting in a snare this week of doubt and unbelief. Hallelujah. So especially that you may prophesy, but you've got to earnestly desire and cultivate these spiritual endowments. Say, Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. Teach me. Show me. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11 in the New King James, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit, here are the gifts of the Spirit, is given to each one for the profit of all. 
you know, I believe God uses these gifts for us in our personal lives, but especially for others. I think we ought to live for a purpose outside of ourselves. Amen. That we ought to live to be a blessing to other people. Amen. All right. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, we talked about natural knowledge last week. Let's just review this. Why? Because repetitious information versus a belief system, and, and I will the belief system dictates my behavior. So I need to hear things more than once. That's why they play commercials over and over. That's why we know two all-peat patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, sauce, that's the sea bun, right? Because we heard it so many times, right? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. See what I'm saying? Geico can save you 15% or less <laughs> in 15 minutes, 15% or less, right? <laughs> but that's because we hear it. Yeah, Mike, 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 Mike. <laughs> no, um, it's because we've heard that over and over again, right? So repetition is important. All right, natural knowledge. It's information that we acquire through study, research, investigation, observation, or experience. But a word of knowledge comes from the Holy Spirit and supernaturally reveals something that was unknown to you. And then a word of wisdom is the Holy Spirit revealing wisdom for a situation. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you a plan of action. He'll give you wisdom that just makes perfect sense. It causes everybody to just have to shut up. So the word of knowledge shows you something supernaturally. The word of wisdom shows you how to handle it. And, and as I said last week, Jesus often walked out wisdom for others to see. You know, they were always trying to trick up Jesus. There were so many scriptures where they were trying to, because they wanted to test him. If you just, if you just Google how many times the Bible even just says, because they were testing him. They said this not because they wanted to know, because they wanted to test him. They were always trying to trip him up. So Jesus had to be on his toes, right? And so wisdom just flowed out of Jesus. So, so he, um, so they were always trying to say, so um, the woman caught in adultery. You know, they said, okay, in the book of Moses, they all had the rocks ready to throw it. In, the, in, the, in Moses' law, he says, if you've committed adultery, this one was caught in the very act. There's no way to even deny it. We're supposed to stone her, right? Jesus bent down and wrote in the sand. We don't know what he wrote, but he wrote something in the sand. He said, okay, well, the one among you who's without sin, you throw the first rock. He said they all dropped their rocks from the youngest to the oldest. Because everybody, you know, nobody is perfect. Everybody messes up. We all do things that we ought not do, you know. So their consciences were pricked. They dropped them and they left. And then he said they came to try to trick him and say, you know, it's, you know, should we pay taxes or should we not pay taxes? Because they were trying to trip him up again. He says, bring me a coin. Whose picture's on the coin? Caesar's picture's on the, co- on the coin. All right, well, render unto Caesar what's Caesar's and render unto God what's God's. Amen. So that was, that was the wisdom of God. The woman with the alabaster box. The, uh, the, uh, Simon, the one who invited Jesus over for dinner. And the woman came in who was known to be a sinner in the city, which we all know what that means. She was a sinner in the city. She, she was a prostitute. So she comes in and she falls down. She's had an encounter with Jesus. This is Mary. She's uh, Mary, the sister of Martha. She falls down at Jesus' feet because she's so happy that he's raised her brother from the dead. Her brother Lazarus was dead four days, and he went and said, Lazarus, come forth. Her brother was raised from the dead. And then um, on top of that, he had forgiven her for her sins. She was, she was so happy. And so she, she comes in. She begins to cry on his feet. She, she sees what a mess she's made on his feet because his feet were dusty. And there's tears. Now it's muddy. And so she, she, she begins to wipe her, his feet with the hair of her head. And, and the, it, it looked, I mean, when somebody's washing somebody's feet or kissing somebody, that's kind of a personal, that's kind of a, that would kind of make you uncomfortable. What is she doing? So Simon is like, if this man were really a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this is and what's going on here. So Jesus spoke up and said, hey, I got something to say to you, Simon. When I came into your house, you didn't offer me any water to wash my feet, which was customary. Nobody wanted to wash feet. You didn't, nobody, nobody offered to wash my feet. Nobody anointed my head with oil when I came in, which was customary to anoint them with oil. 
Nobody did that. But this woman hasn't ceased to wash my feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. He had a, and, and it shut them all up. Because they hadn't done, they had done what they were supposed to do. And that's when he said, you know, her, her story is going to be told right alongside mine. That shut them all up. And that, that got Judas upset too. But you notice Jesus didn't have to get loud. Jesus didn't have to throw a fit and clear the table off and throw things around and throw a fit just to get people to hear what he was saying. See, Jesus didn't have to do all that. This the wisdom poured out of his mouth. May we get to that place where we don't have to call the police and we don't have to act stupid. Amen? But we can just choose to stay calm. What does my shirt say? Can y'all see? Chill. Just be cool. Even when you want a trip, just be cool. And let the wisdom of God flow. The wisdom of God and the power of God cannot flow in a person who's all tripped out. Luke twenty one fifteen. Jesus said, For I myself will give you a mouth and such utterance and such wisdom that all of your foes combined will be unable to stand against or refute. Whoo, that's good right there. I stand on that one today, God. I thank you for the wisdom that causes people to just shut up. Hallelujah. All right, now let's look number three at the gift of faith real quick, and then we're going to head to the house. We're going to go outside first, and we're going to do uh, baptisms, and then we're going to go to the house. There's three kinds of faith. Faith, what is faith? In the, um, in the Greek, it's pistis is the word for faith in the Greek. It means confidence, certainty, trust, and assurance. So we're talking about a gift of confidence, a gift of certainty, a special gift of being able to trust, a special gift of assurance. So there's three kinds of faith. Number one, there's saving faith. So that you don't get confused. Like, well, Pastor, I thought I had to have faith to get saved. How can I wait around on a gift when I, I need to I have faith to get saved, right? That's true. That's saving faith. Saving faith is for every believer to receive Christ. It's also a gift of God. Look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through. So by grace, the grace of God, it's the gift of God. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, this is not the gift of faith that is that we're speaking of over in the other scripture there in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 7 there. Well, actually, it's uh, verse 8. No, it is verse 9. To another faith. I underlined faith for you on that scripture. Y'all see it there? Okay, so that's talking about the gift of faith. This is a gift of faith, but this is the saving faith. This is a different kind of faith. It's still faith. Faith is faith. But this is the measure of faith that you need to believe in Christ when you hear the gospel. See, when you heard the gospel about Jesus, you had the gift to, to be able to believe like a child. Amen. To believe without seeing. Hallelujah. So saving faith is for every believer to receive Christ. So Romans 10, 9, and 10, let's look at the faith process. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. Would y'all underline confess with your mouth and believe in your heart? You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saving faith. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. See, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So saving faith involves my heart and my mouth. Believing with my heart and confessing it with my mouth. It's, you, you have to say it with your mouth. Amen? And receive Christ verbally. As, as today when we go outside and we baptize people, I'm going to say, have you received Christ as your Savior? The answer is yes. Amen. Then upon your profession of faith, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's a confession of the mouth that comes because of what you believe in your heart. So faith involves my heart and my mouth. So Romans twelve three says this, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Everyone has the measure of faith. You have enough faith to believe to get saved. Some people will choose not to believe. He says, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, how, how can they be saved if they don't hear? And how will they hear if there's not a preacher? And how will the preacher go unless the preacher is sent? So it's a process. 
There's got to be somebody to tell somebody about Jesus. Somebody to carry a cross. <laughs> Amen. So there's you, you've got to hear once you hear it and you believe it. Do you, do you, y'all raise your hand if you remember when you heard the gospel and you believed it. I'll never forget. I was looking in my mama's green eyes and she told me about God. And I'm like, mama, can God see me? She said, oh, yes, he can. I'll never forget that moment that faith came alive in my spirit that I believed that God was real. I was really young, never gave my heart completely to him. You know, I chose not to believe as I decided to go my own way. And what a dangerous, I, I cringe now when I think how dangerous I lived for so long. Whew, right. It could have been over like that. Somehow God had his hand on me. He's had his hand on you and has spared you. And it gives us a second and a third and a fifth and a 19th and a hundred chance To get it right and to get in line, ain't God good, Pastor? But when you finally give up, say, I believe unto salvation. I confess and believe and and something has switched in me. I'm not the person I used to be. I'm a new creation. Can't everybody see it? I'm not who I ever was. I'm somebody brand new. And just you just got to have a bulldog tenacity. You just got to get a hold of it with your teeth and just shake it till it turns loose. Amen? Shake it till it don't move anymore. Amen. Amen. Everybody go, Arr. <laughs> I'm not turning loose. Arr. I got a hold of this thing and I'm not turning loose of it. Glory to God. Okay. So everybody's got the measure of faith, but faith is like a seed that needs to be matured. You use it like a muscle. It's got to be like, you're, if I never used this muscle, if I just kept my arm hanging down and never picked it up, my muscle would just be gone. I got some guns too, but... It would just be, it would be gone. But, you know, if I work out and work those muscles, you know, if I do like, like, um, three sets of, uh, 10, say three sets of 12, depending on how heavy I want to go, then I'm systematically working those muscles, right? And if I do three sets of, of 15, uh, 15 pound dumbbells, you know, I'm going to build some muscle there. Then it's going to get sore. And then I'm going to go two days later or a week later and I'm going to work them. I'm going to work those biceps again. And systematically, my muscles will grow, right? Same thing with your faith. You exercise your faith and it will grow. And sometimes tests and trials are what cause us to exercise our faith. Okay. So, number two. Number one was what kind of faith? faith? Number two is systematic faith. Systematic faith. This is whosoever faith. Everyone can work faith because it's a system. Jesus introduced it as a system. So let's look at it. Here it is in Mark eleven twenty two through 24. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. So underline whoever, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Now, your heart is different from your mind. Your mind might scramble all around, but in your heart, in your heart of hearts, you don't doubt in your heart. He says, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, there is the process and the system of faith right there that if I will, I will talk to the mountain. If I'll tell it what I want it to do, and if I don't doubt in my heart, but I believe I'm going to have it, I have whatsoever I said. So you have to believe that, that you receive it. When you say it, you got to believe that you receive it. That's the systematic faith in, in operation right there. Amen. So we can increase this faith by hearing God's word. Romans 10, 17. So then what? Help me preach. Faith. So, so then faith comes. Faith comes. If I want some more, faith comes. I want some more. Faith comes. I want some more. Faith comes. I want bigger faith. I need to hear more word. Amen. Faith comes. Faith comes to me by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So especially if you read the gospels. 
when you read the Gospels and, and listen to the miracles and you really get to know Jesus, that's when faith is really going to go to another level. Amen. All right, so number one is what kind of faith? Number two? Systematic. Everybody can work it and everybody can grow strong in it. Amen. Then number three is special faith. Special faith. So we have saving faith, systematic faith, and special faith. This is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit through special faith. So he brings a gift of of believing, a gift of trust, a gift of being assured. It's like he gives you a special ability to believe when everybody else says, girl, you're tripping. So the, the Holy Spirit distributes this gift of faith to some in the church to encourage and build up the church in our confidence in God. Is that on your note sheet? So he gives some of us the gift of faith to encourage others. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 12, 9 says, To another, faith by the same Spirit. Now look at it in the Amplified. To another, wonder-working faith by the same Spirit. How many of you would like to be able to work wonders to glorify God? Not so that you can show off, but just so that you could glorify God. Amen. So this is telling us that, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, wonder-working faith is a gift that He gives us. And now it's up to him when he gives it. But if I know about it, I can set myself an expectation for it. I can be ready. I can recognize it when it comes and not doubt. Amen. So the gift of faith, look at it. A trust and confidence in God that allows a person to live boldly for him and manifest faith in mighty ways. So in the Bible, the gift of faith is often accompanied by great works of faith. Look at Peter and John. We mentioned them last week. Peter and John were going into the to the uh, to the temple, and there was a, a young man who had been lame in his legs since his birth. He could not walk. He was he was deformed somehow from here down, and he was unable to walk. Could have been his ankle bones and his feet. I'm not sure what it was, but he was unable to walk since birth. He came out of the womb unable to be normal in his feet. Some sort of something was wrong with him. So every day they would just bring him and lay him here at the gate um, uh, to going into the temple, at the temple door. And he would beg alms from people. People would look at him, feel sorry for him, and give him, and give him money. So when Peter and John got there, he, they, he was asking for alms from them, but they stopped. Somebody got a word of knowledge. Somebody got a word from God. Peter said, hey, look at me. So the guy looked up, gave him his attention. He was expecting to receive something from him. But Peter said, Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, how are you going to tell a boy who's been got ankle bones twisted and going every which way? How are you going to tell him to get up and walk? you got the gift of faith. God has just dropped on you the gift of faith. And then, so look what it says. He says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Now, you're committed now. You're committed now. You done grabbed the boy by the hand. And you go, if, if, if these legs don't straighten out, you're going to be embarrassed. And see, right there is the struggle. Right there is where we struggle. Right there is the battle. I'm going to be embarrassed. It is not your reputation. It is the reputation of God. Amen? He's the one. Peter must have known what he had. Such as I have, I give unto you. I know I got a word from God right now. I know I saw Jesus do this 95 times. Get up and walk. Amen? Peter had seen it, and he did what he saw Jesus do. That's why I said read the gospel so you do what you see Jesus do. Amen? So he got a word, and he said he had the faith to grab a crippled boy by the hand and jerk him up on his feet. And as he came up on his feet, the boy's feet straightened out. And what does it say? He said he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, so here, see, Peter did his part. He heard from God, grabbed a boy by the hand and lifted him up. Now here God did his, did his part. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And then he, number eight, he did his part. He leaped up. He stood. He walked and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Could you imagine what that day was like? At the, that was not no regular day at church. Hallelujah. I believe Peter had the gift of faith also when he walked on the water. He said, Lord, if it's you, call me to come out there. Jesus said, come on, boy. Peter's my boy. Come on out here, Peter. And Peter did what the other 11 were, were, 
did not have the gift to do. That he had the gift to believe if Jesus can do it, I can do it. He Didn't it say in the beginning of our sermon that he wanted us to do what he does? The same works that we would do? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me? Peter caught that. Peter somehow had a word of knowledge. He had a word of wisdom. He had faith to throw his leg out of the boat, perfectly good boat, onto some water. See, that's what the gift of faith will cause you to do, to step out on nothing. Step out on absolutely nothing but a promise, a word from God. Come here, an unction of the Holy Spirit. I know this is God. It's a gift of faith. It's a special gift of faith. Hallelujah. Daniel had the gift of faith when they took him to the lion's den. He had a solid, mature relationship with God. When they said, you know, anybody who's caught praying to anybody other than this golden whatever, he said, uh, you know, that, that man's going to be thrown in the lion's den. Daniel didn't trip. He went and opened up the windows. I know in whom I have believed. And he knelt down and prayed right there where everybody could see. Three times a day. He had a solid relationship with God. I'm not worried about them. You say don't pray. I know I can't live without praying. This is how I live. I live by being connected to the Spirit of God. So when it came time to go in the lion's den, the, the, the king was the only one who stayed up and worried all night. Daniel snuggled up with some lions and went to sleep. See, that's the demeanor of faith is peace. It doesn't say Daniel saying, don't put me in there. Don't put me in. No, no, I don't want to go. Uh-uh, no. He just went on in. I'm sure it would have said it. That's what he did. But he just went on in, and he mastered the situation. Did y'all hear me say that? He mastered the situation. Stop letting situations master you. You're designed to rise up above it all. Amen. Don't flip out, but you rise up and master that situation. So the demeanor of faith is peace. Is peace. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. Woo, God, I trust you. I believe the three Hebrew boys had this kind of faith. They said, okay, we ain't got to answer you on this. We're not going to bow. We're not going to bow. Being known unto you, we will not bow. We are not. Did you hear me? We're not going to bow. And our God is able to deliver us from this fire. But if he doesn't, we, let it be known that we will never bow before you. We serve the living God and him only. We, we better all get this kind of faith because our world is changing. We better all have this. I don't care what you throw me in. I don't care what you do. I'm going to stand for the living God. Amen. If he delivers me, hey, if I die, I die. But I died on my feet, believing God. Amen. So they threw him into the fire so hot that the people throwing him into the fire died. Wait a minute. Didn't we throw three men into the fire? But I see four men loose and walking around. They were bound when they threw into the, got thrown into the fire. But by the time they got in the fire, they weren't bound. They were walking around in there with Jesus in the fire. Amen. Jesus was in there with them with the fire. So they had the gift of faith to say, hey, I don't care. I don't care what happened. You throw me in the fire. Amen. That was the gift of faith. Um, I don't know if y'all heard the story about the woman from Africa whose husband, Pastor Daniel, had died in a car wreck. Did y'all hear about that? Yeah, there's there's their pictures right there. There's the wife. She does not look happy, but she I think she's from Nigeria. I think they're both. from. Have you heard, heard about them, sis? That Pastor, uh, Pastor uh, Daniel is his name. I wouldn't even begin to try to pronounce his last name. You could probably say it, but I can't. I can't say Georgina and her husband are from Nigeria. So, um, But I couldn't pronounce the name. It was a really long name. But his name is Pastor Daniel. He was in a car wreck and uh, was killed. When he was in the back of the ambulance, his wife was there with him. And he was trying to give her instructions about the church and whatnot. But he saw an angel behind her saying, don't say anything, but I'm here and you're coming with me. And so he died in the back of that ambulance. They took him to the morgue, took him to the hospital first, and the doctor checked him, checked his heart, no heartbeat, um, checked his eyes, pupils were fixed and dilated. Where's the picture of the, uh, there's a white paper. Yeah, there it is. Oh, no, that's the, um, that's him going into the morgue. That's his name, Reverend Daniel. Go back to that one, that other one. See, there's his name right there, Reverend Daniel. And they shortened it to just GLE, but it was something else. But that, there's his name right there on the 11, on, uh, November 30th, 2001. In the morgue. That's going in the morgue. Now show the death certificate, the other white one. Or is it the blue one? That's, that's the, that's the, the death certificate from the hospital. Um, see, dead. Dead. 
There's, there's a couple of smaller ones. Yeah, you can see it right there. Look, brought in dead at something PM. Brought in dead right here. Um, his eyes were dilated and fixed. When your eyes are fixed and dilated, that means your eyes are no longer reacting to light. You gone. So this man was dead. They took him into the morgue. Um, that, that one where they showed his name, that was, that was his intake. Uh, going into the morgue, you can you can look this up online and see this this uh, the video of him actually being raised from the dead. But he was dead for three days, and his wife was at home, and she was uh, reading the Bible, and she read Hebrews eleven thirty five. It says, "Women received their dead raised to life again," and she said, "Dead bodies raised to life." She said, "I began to meditate on this word, raised bodies raised dead bodies raised to life." Dead bodies raised to life. And she, she meditated on that one scripture. Come on, faith comes by hearing. Until she got the gift of faith to say, we're not putting this man in the ground. I believe that I'll receive my husband alive again. So she goes to them or she goes and tells her father, daddy, papa, <laughs> we're going to get Daniel from the morgue and we're going to put him in the car, in the casket, and we're going to take him to the Reinhardt Bonke crusade. His father's like, daughter, have you lost your mind? No, God has given me faith to believe that God will raise my, my, my husband from the dead. So they put him in the casket in the back of the ambulance, and they go off to the, uh, to the Reinhardt Bonnke crusade. She said, because the anointing will be high, and I believe that God will raise him from the dead. So when they get there, there's all kinds of security. There's thousands and thousands of people, and they would not let... Um, her take him into the sanctuary because they're real superstitious. And she said, no, uh, that people were freaking out. If they would have brought a corpse in there, they would have all been upset about that. So they said, no, take him in down to the basement. So they took him down in the basement, took him out of the casket, took his shirt and coat and everything off of him and laid him out on a table and began to pray over this man until his stomach began to move with the breath of life coming back into his body. You can see his, his, his stomach just right here beginning to move a little bit. They said he was still stiff like a, they called it a stock fish, that he was still stiff like, you know how when you go fishing and you, the fish are they're not wiggly anymore, they're kind of stiff, you know, rigor mortis. So he, he was, so, and they had embalmed him. They, they, had, they had embalmed through his feet and hands. They had already embalmed him. So this man begins to breathe. This man begins to wake up. Now what's happening on his side, now she's gone through three days of this. This wife has gone through three days. He wakes up and he said he woke right up and sat up like, what is going on? Who are all these people? What is going on? Because he seemed, he said to him, it only seemed like 10 or 15 minutes. But he said that the angel that took him out of the ambulance, the angel took him to heaven and showed him heaven, showed him the mansions of heaven and said, the mansions are ready, but the saints are not. Jesus has finished his work, but the saints are not ready. And he said um, that he could hear singing. He said even the grass and the flowers were, were worshiping God. There was sound and movement even coming like everything was alive and everything was worshiping God. And uh, so he, he visited heaven there for a few minutes and the angel said, now I must take you to hell. So he took him to hell and he showed him hell and he showed people that were there in hell. And... Uh, People who were screaming because they had done, they had done things that they wished they, they could change now. One man was even a pastor. And he, and he, he screamed, I, I'm a pastor and I stole money. See, your conscience convicts you there. He said, when the, when the spirit convicted me of what, uh, the angel told me what I had done, why I should be in hell and not in heaven. He said, when the spirit con- told me, he said, I couldn't argue with him because I was convicted and I knew that this was right. Because I wasn't, I, he, he wouldn't forgive his wife. He, he and his wife had gotten upset with each other. And she slapped him. And he was thinking for a couple of days, she would knock on, on his door. And, and she would say, good morning, Daniel. Good morning, Daniel. And he would just ignore her, give her the side eye. Or, you know, he would ignore her and, and wouldn't forgive her. But on his way that morning, he was asking God to forgive him. But he wouldn't forgive his wife. And so as he's standing there, at the gate of hell, listening to people screaming, even a pastor who said he had stolen money. And he said, I'm here. I'm ready to give the money back now. Just get me out of here. And Pastor Daniel, um, you know, is standing there. And um, 
the angel gives him the download that, yeah, this is where you would be. If, you're, if, you're, if your story was over today, if your book ended today, this is where you would be too because you wouldn't forgive your wife, but you ask God to forgive you. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. See, we got to take that stuff seriously. That's not a suggestion. That's God serious about that. I mean, forgive, not forgiving somebody is not worth me going to hell. I'm not fitting to go to hell. Amen. So yeah, it took him, he felt like he'd only been gone 10 minutes and he kept saying the whole time, where's my file? Where's my file? And they're like, what file? He said, the angel had me write down everything on a file. I've been writing down these last few minutes. I've been writing down. Where's my file? And, you know, of course, there was no, the file was written in the spirit, you know, while he was in the spirit there. But, uh, yeah, this man was raised back to life and was sitting there on the platform with his, with his wife sitting next to him. She just reached over and, like, patted him on the leg like, you okay? <laughs> and now this is them now. There's the wife on the right and there's the, the husband. Praise God. Amen. So she stood and walked on nothing but the promise of God. It says women received their dead back to life again. Hebrews eleven thirty five. She stood on that scripture. She stood on that, on nothing. Until she meditated on it till she had enough faith and the gift of faith came upon her. So think about Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth snatched a corpse out of, the, out of a casket 14 times documented. 14 times, went into the funeral home, snatched the, ca- the corpse out of the casket, put it against the wall. He was a big, tall man. Put it against the wall and said, I said, live in the name of Jesus. The body would slump to the floor. He'd pick it up and put it against the wall. I said, you'll live in the name of Jesus. He would do that until they'd come back to life. He did it 14 times, but you got to know that you've heard from God before you start snatching people out the casket. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But he did it 14 times documented. Look him up, y'all. Look up Smith Wigglesworth. Write it down on the back of your notes. If you remember, just Google Smith Wigglesworth um, raising the dead. Another thing Smith Wigglesworth did was he, you know, this is back in the day when you didn't have the medical wonderful, marvelous things that medicine can do for us these days. Keep us alive when well, we would have been gone a long time ago. Well, this man had no legs. I don't know if his legs were cut off. I don't know if he lost his legs because of disease or, or diabetes or what. But he had no legs. And I don't know where they were cut off, maybe here somewhere. I don't know. It didn't say. But it said that Smith Wigglesworth told him to go buy a pair of shoes. Now, how are you going to tell a man with no feet to go buy some shoes? But he said the man obeyed. And he went in to go buy some shoes. And if you could have seen the face of the guy who had to go get the shoes, he said, I'll have a pair of black shoes in size 8, please. So the guy came out and brought him the shoes. And as he put his stump in that shoe, his leg grew out. He put the other shoe on, hit that stump, whew, a leg grew out. So he came, he came home to tell Smith what had happened. He walked out of the shoe store and, and walked in at home. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth was there. And he said he wasn't even surprised. He said, the same God that can heal your leg can create a brand new one. See, he had that gift of faith that he could do miracle, wonder-working things because of his faith. Amen. Now, he was, he was a little bit different. One time there was a, a two-month-old baby that had a spinal disorder that they went and the parents snuck the baby out of the hospital. Back then you could get away with that. And they brought the baby to Smith and said, if there's anything you can do, he held the baby and said, now will you allow me to do what the Spirit has just showed me to do? They said, yes, sir, do whatever. So he lifts the baby up and prays for it. And they think, oh, how sweet. He's, you know, acknowledging the baby and honoring this baby right now. And he said that he took the baby and threw it against the wall. The baby landed. He went over and got the baby, kicked it across the stage. And when the baby quit rolling, his spine was perfectly straight. I don't suggest that anybody try to heal a baby or anybody or even a dog or a cat like that. I'm just telling you what I read last night about Smith Wigglesworth. This is, and I had heard that story before, but that, you know, what, maybe it was a, a, a spirit of infirmity that he just said, you got to go. And just, he, and the baby had not one bruise, not one bad mark on it. But I'm not saying anybody ought to do that. That's how, that was Smith's anointing. Amen. <laughs> All right. So, you know, he never wanted to take the glory for himself, 
But people began making a fuss over him. And he said, I, I don't want people making a fuss over me. This is about the glory of the Lord. Amen. And do you know after he finished preaching one, one night, he walked over. That's when they kept the, the seats on the stage. His chair was on the stage. He sat down and he went home to the Lord. Amen. Right after he got through preaching. Woo! What a way to go. Amen. Amen. Said so that he just gave his, gave his spirit up to God. It's another level, people. It's another level. I mean, this, that jacked me up. This, this all just jacked me up. Y'all feel jacked up a little bit? I'm like, I mean, Lord, I need to make sure I'm good everywhere. <laughs> make sure anybody I hadn't forgiven. Make sure there's not something, any, any, is there any evil way in me? Lord, show me if there's something that I know better and I'm still doing it. If you're not sure, look in the Word. Call, call your pastor. We'll look it up together. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today and for the gift of faith that you've given us, Lord, for exploits. And you're looking, you're looking for somebody you can show yourself strong through. So, God, we receive it. We receive it. We say, here we are, Lord. We know there's a cost to everything. But, God, our desire is that we'd please you with our life, that we would be our own Smith Wigglesworth. We'd be our own ab- absolutely original creation from heaven, that we would hear your voice for ourselves. And do what you call us to do. But, Lord, we just believe for, for great, st- strong, amazing exploits to be done in the earth. Lord, you haven't called us to just have a natural life, but a supernatural life. Doing supernatural things for our supernatural God. So, Father, we submit ourselves to you. We ask you to show us, Lord, if, is there any evil way? Is there anything in us that we need to repent for? Anything that we need to just bring to the altar? Anything that we just need to say, Lord, I lay it down today. Forever. Lord, I need your help with it. What about that? Lord, if there's an area in me that I can't do by myself, I, I call on your grace. I call on your grace right now, Lord, to fill me with the power to lay it down and to turn toward you forever, Lord. Lord, I'm through playing games. If there's any game in me, Lord, purge it out. Let me see for myself what you say about what I'm doing. Lord, we don't want to miss heaven. We don't want to miss eternity for anything. We want to be ready for those mansions that you've already prepared for us. We want to be ready for them. So, Lord, we say make us ready. Have your way. You are the potter. We are the clay. Have your way, Lord God. Lord, change us and mold us and make us. I just see like a blacksmith hammering it out. I see it, I see it, Lord, like the fire and the, and the hammering, God. I just see that you're, that you're forging something brand new in us. This is a year that's not like any other year. You're forging something brand new. We receive it, God. In the name of Jesus, we receive it in Jesus' name that you're forging something brand new. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we receive it all in Jesus' mighty name. We declare a hundredfold return on this word. And God, right now in Jesus' name, I just want to pray for anybody who's here this morning. You'd say, Pastor Sally, I'm not right with God today. I want to be right with God, but I'm not right with God. Would you pray for me, Pastor Sally? I want to give my heart and life to Jesus. For me, that was 25 years ago when I was 31. I knelt down in my closet, threw my hands in the air and said, Lord, I'm through running. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Everything about me, God, it's yours. You can have it. Use me any way you want to. And I gave him absolutely everything that day. That was in August 1994. 25 years ago next month. And so let that be your day today that you choose to say, I give it all. I give it all back to you, God, every bit. And so I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. If you would, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you would just repeat after me this very simple prayer. Say, Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up, sometimes on purpose. And sometimes I'm sure I just didn't know. But I'm sorry. And I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And I believe that you raised him from the dead on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. I make you the Lord of my life. Teach me. Guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I'm trusting you alone to save me. Amen.
Well, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, you got to let somebody know. Nobody gets to sneak into heaven. You got to let somebody know you made a decision for Christ. So if you would fill out your connection card, make sure you, you write it so that I can read it. And then on the back, I need you to just put a check mark where it says, yes, I say yes to Jesus and commit my life to Christ. Um, as my Lord. Amen. So you put a check mark right there and then you're going to take your card over here to, um, Ernest, the very handsome and the very beautiful Pastor Carolyn. And they're going to receive your card from you and give you a special gift that we have for you today, as well as some um, information about what you should do next in your walk with Christ. Amen.